His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. And if you beat him, then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast. This episode's the worst, so it's probably the last. With unopposed to claim banter, it's banter behind the throne. Hello and welcome back to Banter Behind the Throne. This is episode 65. Today, I, Dave Bamford, am joined by Lol Craven. Say hello, Lol. Hello. And not Thomas Peel, because his internet is broken. Craven and I are both feeling a bit under the weather, so if we if it sounds disjointed or um, or we sound a bit rough, it's because it's been hastily cobbled together from what I can salvage from from the recording. Uh, so I apologise in advance if it sounds a bit weird at any point. Um, we have some things for you today. We have some spoilers from the upcoming fall of upcoming 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 fall of the four pack. Uh, and then we have some listeners' questions from our Facebook page that you have given us this week. So, um, have you got anything to add, Craven, before we jump into our spoilers? Uh, no, actually, I haven't, no. Um, I've got a clean slate. Fantastic. Well, then, would you like to read one of our spoilers? Straight into it today. We're going to dive straight into the spoilers. Oh, God, I've closed oh. the page now. Shall we do one, and then should we keep the other one till the end? No, nah, maybe just pop it in halfway through. <laughs> out, of the, out of the blue. Uh, well... I'll do one and we'll see how we feel afterwards. Okay. okay, so they're neutral cards this time, and they're all Frey-themed. God, this is like a, a test of elocution, isn't it? <laughs> Frey-themed. Free um, Frey cards. <laughs> free Frey cards for us to see. Um, <laughs> the first one... God, the alliteration's driving my head... Doing my head in. Um, he is a Frey lordling... Um, he costs three gold. He's got a military icon and a power. He's got a puny two strength, which is suitable given the haggard, weak appearance of this little gremlin of a man. Um, he has a house fray traits, and he is also a lord. So, if I suppose if you're really desperate, you could reduce him with noble cause, but not exactly a pro play. Um, he has a reaction, and it states. After you initiate a challenge, Frey Lordling gets plus one strength until the end of the phase. There we go. He's non-unique, of course, because there's loads of Freys running around, and he's one of them. So, yeah. What do you reckon? Well, I mean, it's his colours are now to a mast, really, aren't they? Yeah. Get lots of get three of these out on a Lord of the Crossings deck and, and, and go for it really quite reasonable I think by your third challenge he's going to be five strength which isn't bad I suppose on his own anyone else coming along to play and the other buffs and so forth are um, only going to help that uh, he's going to be pretty shit in a deck which isn't looking to do that but um, yeah he's alright I mean he's, yeah he's pretty boring as a generic you know chud probably not going to add him to too many decks that aren't fray themed but the fray theme is coming coming along quite nicely we've got those uh, nice cards coming up towards the end of the cycle like uh, um Walder himself who's going to synergize quite nicely with his lordlings oh definitely and of course um whatever that 
nasty event was called. Um, the three cost scary one. Hospitality. Yes, very hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah Here's uh, me acting like I know about it, and I haven't just heard about it two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've legitimately forgotten about it in that time. So <laughs> we're a good team. Um, I think I think the most interesting thing, of course, is the fact that he is a uh, a non-unique lord. So mm. a nice target for your bodyguard if you were. Of course, yeah. Oh man, the layers upon layers. Yeah, it's just so much synergy and strategy you can get out of this one card. Wonderful. And you can go and get him a Marguerite. Yeah, this is true. Pro pro (laughs) plays. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so he's just super versatile. He should be in all the decks. Yeah, well, (laughs) I was going to say, he won't be replacing, you know, he won't be taking on the role of the house maester who gets dropped in for utility, but maybe he will. (laughs) Is is that military icon as good as the, uh, the intrigue icon? We all know that intrigue and uh, power are, are the best icons. Yeah, I, I think so. Says a, a long-time Greyjoy player with <laughs> some some bitterness. Well, that's why you can really value those intrigue icons because you know how hard it is not exactly. to have them. How hard they are to get hold of. Uh, I reckon we should do the next spoiler, really, because it's going to only buff this guy up. I guess so, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, this is a unique location. It costs only two gold, which I think is a bargain, actually. Um, it's for twins, um, and it's House Frey, uh, the Riverlands trait. And it says, during the third challenge, you initiate each phase. If you control an attacking House Frey character, raise the claim value on your reveal plot card by one. That's fucking fantastic. I think that's really good as well. That is baller. That is a free off. Get it in. <laughs> Assuming you have a decent um, icon spring, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously, you fulfil all your previously discussed deck building requirements for Lords of the Crossing. Um, interesting to note as well that the House Frey character only needs to be involved in the last challenge. Mm. So yeah. if you have got a few less than you'd hope, just save them around to the end. They haven't got to be involved in all three. That's very true. So that's, yeah. that's good. I really like it. I think it's a, a solid little location. Not too expensive. Nice, brilliant. Love a bit of claim raise. Mm. Oh, oh, we do, don't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, mm, pretty good stuff there for the old house fray. Um, all neutral, obviously, so you can deck them out wherever. Oh, that means I can have, like, eight different fray decks <clears throat> ready to go. Good. Well, if I had eight play sets, but, you know, like, in theory, that's just... Well, you could just build all the decks and just need the same fray cards and just slot them in and out. True. Did you see the uh, the Frey agenda from the CCG? The twins. You need five additional power to win the game. You may play up to four copies of a card in your deck. Or five copies if that card's a House Frey character. Oh, okay, wow. So that's really, that's really interesting. interesting. Could you imagine how much of a ball ache that is if, you, if it was reprinted in the LCG where you get three copies of every card? Oh, God, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> it would be so awful. But in the CCG, I guess, you know, it gives you... Well, getting four copies of a rare card must have been horrendous. But those efficient chuds... Yeah, lovely. get them in. Four refugees, boom, straight in there. Oh, mate, yeah, that's a really good idea. Oh, oh that would be an interesting... I think the community would be ablaze with indignation if that came out now. I've got to buy <laughs> two of each chat pack for the fray cards. <laughs> Even if you buy them with the ones with the fray cards in, um, you can still only have five, so there's still a wasted card. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but it, would, it would catapult a singles market. 
it's housetraycards.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a uh, CCG card, so uh, luckily that was never an issue. It's the only bonus to a CCG model, I think. Yeah. Oh, and draft, yeah. obviously. Confirmed. <laughs> okay. I can't say well, enough about draft. There we go. We'll put pictures up um, when we normally do. Yeah. Roughly 24 hours after I bother to upload the episode. This so, is it. Sometime next week. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, so uh, we put the call out earlier this week for some listeners' questions. And so... This is this is what we're going to do now. We're going to chat listeners' questions until we get bored and go to bed, or until we run out. So, Craven, Matt Chandler asks, how is Cisco doing? Uh, I haven't heard from Cisco for a while, um, but last time I heard, um, he was doing fine. I got a new picture of him. Um, the other day, I was out for dinner uh, at a friend's house, oh, and God. as I was casting my <laughs> eye... Yeah, they served up a donkey. Um, <laughs> as I was casting my eye around their flat, I noticed a, a picture from the Donkey Sanctuary up on the lawn. It had the very same colourings, like, in terms of the background, not the, the colour of the donkey, but the backgrounds and stuff, of, of my picture. And for a brief moment, I felt such rage at the idea that someone else might have Cisco. But um, it wasn't. This, this donkey was called Moses, quite hilariously. Um, so, uh, yeah, the Donkey Sanctuary is quite popular. It wasn't just us. But maybe it was us. Maybe we put them on the map. Um, I think so, a, yeah. a couple of days after we, or maybe a couple of weeks after we made that episode, uh, the Donkey Sanctuary popped up on my Facebook page. Like somebody had shared it, so presumably they had been inspired by us, despite not playing Thrones. We put them on the map. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's fine. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, alive and well uh, for some years to come. Hopefully. I did just check the website. He is still alive. Yeah, so I'd be very upset. If, I think they'd, I would like to know. I would hate to find out this way. <laughs> It'll be horrible, just on air. Because like in our very first episode, we got that uh, like surprise fact halfway through the recording. Yeah. <laughs> this is the biggest bombshell since episode one. Yeah. But much less present, pleasant. The, the donkey's dead. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So Cisco is doing well. There was actually a bit of a debate on a, I say debate on Friday night, but Cisco came up in a in a thread on one of the uh, one of the Agot groups where people were saying they hadn't heard from him for a while. But for a while, so it's good that we've uh, given them this update. Oh, the donkey's that popular, really. It comes up in sort of chats and stuff. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Mm. Oh, I'll definitely make sure to put up more updates in. I didn't realise he was that well liked. Of he <laughs> I is. thought it was kind of a novelty thing, which is costing me three quid a month, and that was it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's pretty good. I think that's a bargain. Like, you could travel on that and everything. Yeah. I, well, I, I guess at some point I get to keep him. I assume so, yeah. It's like a higher purchase. It is, isn't it? I can either trade him in for a new donkey or pay it off and keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you wouldn't. Well, no, I'll check the mileage first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the next question, coming, uh, going back into your... Uh, these are all like targeted at you, these first few. So, um, I've been gone for a while. People have probably just... They probably miss me, I'll be honest. I don't think it's too egotistical to say that. Yeah, of course. Well, on that topic, uh, Darren Hazelden says, now that you <coughs> don't ever play Thrones at all, will you be playing Legend of the Five Rings? Um, yes, I, I will definitely be giving it a go. Um, I, I feel that's a bit of a loaded question, because I, I, I think Darren was quite a prolific L5R player, if I'm not mistaken. He did. He did play yeah. the old L5R. Yeah. Um, and he says he was good at it, but I've seen no independent verification. Yeah, exactly. We can all say these things. Um, 
So, yes, I will definitely be giving it a go. Uh, I quite like the look of it, actually. I feel quite excited about it. But that excitement is tempered with, um, uh, well, I'll be honest, bitter experience of FFG games. Um, I was a bit let down by Conquest. Um, Netrunner annoyed me towards the end. Um, and the other thing about uh, FFG is once you start to love a game, they do something to it, like take it away, like we did with Warhammer Invasion and Call of Cthulhu. Um, so I am going into it, but with the um, the jaded expectations of a of a, a of a lover who's loved before. Um, very poetic, isn't it? Jaded um, is a very apt word as well, of course, for this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, jaded is a popular thing. Um, so yeah, short answer. Yes, I will be giving it a go. I'm looking forward to it, and I will report back. Um, and as a potential hint to the community, me and Dave were discussing off air. I've got a fantastic name for a podcast. Um, so you never know, but don't get your hopes up. Well, I'm, I'm sure Darren, Darren would be keen with that because he started his own podcast uh, oh, well. regarding L5R. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, and I don't plan to until I start because I won't understand what's going on. No, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. A comprehensive answer there. Okay. So uh, Rabs asks us, do we think 2.0 is getting the 1.0 flavour? Oh, barbecue, peri peri. Yeah. What, what flavor is he going for? Well, actually, let's go down that route quickly. If you had to assign a flavor to 1.0, what would you call it? What would you say it was? Oh, that is a tough one. Um, it would have to be the flavor of salty tears. Salty tears <laughs> of my wow. opponents as I cancel their saves and wipe their board. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I can see that with you. <laughs> yeah. All right. I would say it's kind of like an alarmingly spicy pizza. <laughs> it's got lots of layers, but eventually it becomes a bit overwhelming, and in the morning you wish you hadn't done it. <laughs> that is that is very good. I yeah. like it. So yeah. do you think that 2.0 will be like that gradually? I mean, we're still oh, delving I- into the layers. I mean, for me personally, as we've already identified, I don't play it that much anymore. I've clearly eaten too much. <laughs> Basically, if we're going to go down this whole food analogy, I went out for a boozy lunch with you and a few other people and then came home for a couple of hours, thought, well, that's me done. I'll just have some popcorn or something later on. Then get a phone call. Everyone's going out again and we feel like, oh, shit, can't really knock this invitation back. So I've gone back out. I've eaten again and just gone, oh, too much. Can't make it for the after drinks. Having a nap. I am full up. Um, so, God, this food analogy is just going and going. This is, <laughs> this is excellent radio. <laughs> Quality radio. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it is for, it's getting the flavour, but I've had too much to eat. So um, I need a new flavour for a while. Is- Craven. I need a palate cleanser. I need yeah. an after eight. What you did is you, you should have waited after 1.0 was cancelled and joined it later, but you filled up on all like the uh, the stodgy breadsticks and garlic bread beforehand of the corset meta. Yes. You wore yourself out, and now it's starting to get those deep flavours of all the spicy meats. And uh, all I can taste is garlic butter. Yeah, which you know is fine, but it was a bit too much. Empty calories. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wow. I think we answered that quite well. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking fantastic. I mean, this is... This Vintage. is the sort of stuff. I want that entire thing chiseled onto my gravestone. That's a that's the best thing. That's the best answer I've ever given. Do you know that? I genuinely <laughs> think it is. I'm not even drinking. You know, <laughs> well, next time you uh, next time you go for like a job interview or something, and they ask you for you know like one of those weird like what have you done in this kind of situation? Uh, maybe you can bring that up. I'll just say, look, have you got iTunes, mate? Yeah. He's like, listen yeah. to this food analogy. That's off yeah. the fucking cut. Yeah, that is, yeah, exactly. This isn't scripted. No. I mean, think I think. Deliver at a pace. Yeah. I'm, oh, mate. You're, oh, forget, I forget <laughs> that you speak my language. <laughs> this is lost on everyone else. We've gone from great radio <laughs> yeah, to. There's, there's a couple of people we know like, <laughs> Delivering at pace. I get it. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. We should have done this ages ago, trying to thread competencies into the show. <laughs> Oh god, being congested, I think, is making me more focused on top quality aunt. Oh, you really got to pick your words. Yeah, I'm not going to blow my nose for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Challenge. Yeah. Cool. Right then, um, Ben Cotton asks, "Do the Spice Girls still hold up?" Of course they do. Post, post offices? What? I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> but yeah, of course that they would do. Be quite the search. What a robbery! Yeah, like Scary Spice just breaking into a post office. Guns oh, she does the shouting. Yeah, <laughs> give me all your stamps. Yeah. And your fucking postal orders. Yeah, Baby would be the decoy. <laughs> Jerry would have to be the getaway driver and have like a balaclava on because she'd be too recognisable with that bright orange hair. <laughs> yeah, and the dress. <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd spot her a mile off. Victoria would be the menacing one just eyeballing like the security guards and they sort of think about going for the handcuffs. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's if they were doing robberies. They basically hold up. Um, yeah, I think they do. Obviously, Mel B's gone through it a little bit. I think since we last spoke about her, she's been in all the gossip mags about the breakup of her marriage and what a horrible man her husband was and things like that. So she's been through it a little bit. Um, so yeah, she's had a bad time, but you know, they're still the Spice Girls. They're they're timeless. So do you remember that uh, last year I sadly won a cardboard cutout of the Spice Girls I do yeah, yeah. Um, on my own recommendation that we give out to the player that missed the cut by one place and then probably missing the cut by one place yeah. um, well it was downstairs in the living room but not in the dining room for like a year yeah um, and it was fine it was out of the way I could laugh at it when I was playing games but I didn't have to look at it every day uh, but yeah. since moving out my parents have moved it to the bottom of my bed like at home <laughs> and I went home and then I woke up and the Spice Girls were looking at me <laughs> and that was quite unsettling because they look absolutely smashed in that picture. Like, they're clearly, <laughs> clearly on stuff. On a ketamine high. Yeah, basically. Like, baby's crawling out of this cat hole uh, right into my dreams, and it's just, it's not cool. <laughs> oh, this is the most abstract show. We've gone from, you know, elaborate analogies about food to Baby Spice, cat, your <laughs> dreams. This is happening. This is fantastic. Uh, if you Google Spice Girls drunk, it doesn't appear on the first page of results. So, do you imagine? Imagine they probably a... they probably chased that picture out of all major publications. It slipped through to one factory, and they were immortalised in six foot cardboard. <laughs> oh, it's only half size, luckily. Oh god! So, oh god, they're like midget Spice Girls. Yeah. Wow, man, that is trippy. 
couple of Stellas, you'd be all over the place waking up to that. <laughs> uh, talking about cardboard cutouts, um, which is strangely becoming a thing in our friendship group, apparently. Uh, Will, the guy who suggested the whole Spice Girls thing for the cast, uh, yeah. Martin, I, Martin, who, for other people who don't know, uh, wrote our Christmas <laughs> themes, uh, he's bought Will a cardboard cutout of Ainsley Harriet for his birthday. What the fuck? Um, and it's his birthday today, and he's going to get it tomorrow when we go home for it. I understand uh, supply and demand, but what <laughs> well, came first there? Who, did someone say, mate, can you do me an Ainsley Harriet cutout? And he thought, oh, I'll do five or six just in case. <laughs> or did someone make know. them, hoping someone was going to buy it? Uh, but the concerning part is that we had to decide which one that we wanted. Whether we wanted <laughs> uh, tux or suit. Um, we went for suit because the uh, the expression on his face was better. I've just WhatsApped you a picture of it so you could experience the uh, the glory the of this cutout. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, you can get my reaction live and unfiltered on air. Here it comes. Oh my god, that is so good. Oh look at him. Where did where would a man buy cutouts? Amazon Prime. Re- really? We're just on Amazon. There's this not like a specialist them? store. Well, presumably there is specialist stores as well. Oh, my God. I'm going to do a appeal now. I'm going to be on Amazon for the rest of the show, but, you know, just keep me involved. Keep talking. <laughs> I promise I'll answer. <laughs> this is brilliant. Okay, wow. Um, what was the question? We weren't even, there wasn't a question, was there? Uh, the question was about... The Spice, Spice Girls. Girls. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> M.T. Edelman asks... What are some useful tips for Americans playing Thrones in Europe? Are there any phrases of particular importance? Are there any cultural taboos? He suspects Miri, uh, playing Miri is one of them. And is there a customary amount of alcohol that must be consumed during the tournament? Because I know there are some Americans coming to Starlek at the very least. And Sandy's in Europe a couple of times as well. I went for a pint with him a couple of weeks ago. Yep, Sandy likes to drink. <laughs> um, I can't see that question. It's on the Facebook group, not on the. Oh, right, I see that's what. Okay, so what was the first sub question? Um, are there any phrases of particular importance? Well, I had this conversation with my. Um, I've got a, an American uh, coach from my football team, and um, I dined with him and his wife the other day. Um, and we, he's only been living in uh, the UK for about eight months. And I asked something similar to him. I said, "What have you found?" Um, stands out to you it's like different or whatever um, and the one language Barry he said caused the most problems was um, fanny <laughs> so if you're kicking someone's fanny in America you are kicking something quite different in the UK mm. so tend to stay away from fanny don't kick anyone in the fanny no, don't slap anyone's fanny. Um, <laughs> I'd even steer away from using the term fanny pack. It's a bum bag over here. Mm. Um, so there's that, of course. Um, I remember someone said, uh, Marge said fanny on The Simpsons, and I was just like, ha! What? Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching WWF when it was WWF. Yeah. And Vince McMahon came out, and part of his big speech, it's back when like Stephanie was just coming into it, and she's been a bit rebellious, and she went yeah. off to marry like Triple H or whatever. And he said that he was going to spank her fanny blue. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. 
I was vaguely aware of that age, but it was uh, obviously a, a mistranslation. Yeah. But <laughs> at about seven o'clock on Sky One, that was gold dust. <laughs> I remember uh, walking into the living room and my brother was watching Woody Woodpecker. Right. And uh, somebody said, I like you, fella, you're full of spunk. <laughs> yeah, that's not appropriate. Don't say that either. Um, so for Americans though, Brits, we don't really like people to celebrate or be happy. Um, so if you win, just sort of gloat somewhere else. Um, and we have a habit if we say something encouraging, like, oh yeah, good job, well played. It always sounds sarcastic, but it. Probably isn't. Um, that said, so, yeah. we sometimes say positive things which do not mean positive things. Like, uh, oh yeah, I'll take that on board. Yeah. Which means, it's all... thank you for giving me your opinion, but kindly fuck off. Exactly. It's all very <laughs> passive-aggressive. Um, and in terms of drinking, just just do your duty. Get stuck in, you know. Yeah. But if you're used to American lager, brace yourself for German beer. Because, yeah. whoa. <laughs> Yeah, that's the best I've got, really. We, we certainly encourage people to drink before a tournament. And during a tournament, once you're 0-2, if you're not driving, get stuck in. Yeah, because you, know, you ain't going to make it. If you if you don't start until then, fair enough, you know. But once you're 0-2, uh, no, 0-3 even, sorry, go for it. I um, was very disappointed to hear that several Brits um, were caught practising before Dockside. I saw this on Facebook and I was not pleased. I mean, some of them were from another podcast, though, so, I mean, to be expected. <laughs> but um, this isn't this isn't how we used to do things, Dave. No. It's not appropriate. You should not be practising the night before a tournament, especially if you're in, you know, if I'm going to a local tournament, maybe, but if I'm going away, you should be socialising with the locals yeah. or within your cliquey group of friends that have gone with you there but socializing yeah. with beer not socializing with cards that's that's integral to going out to a thrones tournament in europe omg i've just put in cardboard cutouts in amazon yeah and i mean this is this is awful but there's one here it says danny devito cardboard cutout brackets life size or mini size <laughs> now what's the difference um, I have heard of cardboard cutouts that are like 10 inches tall. Because Danny DeVito's tiny. <laughs> yeah, so full size would be like his height. <laughs> oh, and God, mini a... presumably like <laughs> a foot high. There's a Warwick Davis one that's life size or mini size. I mean, steady on. <laughs> How much cardboard cutout are you getting for your money? Oh, there's a Queen, there's a Donald Trump one. God, the uses of these are endless. Um, there's a Jeremy Kyle one. What the? That's what's pretty on Earth? niche, isn't it? Yeah. Gordon Ramsay. If you're having a family dispute, you get the Jeremy Kyle one and just put it in the corner. Michelangelo's David. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great gift. Oh, Nicholas Cage. That's worth every penny. <laughs> oh dear. I think Rich. what uh, Mr. Edelman was getting at is: Are there any phrases of particular importance? Within Thrones specifically. And of course, the one that comes to mind is please say much more. Oh, of course, don't, yeah. Don't not join in. No one's yeah. too cool to say much more. Apart from the Russians. 
those Russians. That's not a racial generalisation. Well, it is. But every Russian I've been in front of at Starlek has not done much and more. Oh, dear. And they've looked very upset about much and more happening as well. So, I mean, what's going on there? <laughs> you can't not be happy about much and more. Everybody no, exactly. gets cards. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Like, Especially what, Peel. Them? Especially Peel. Yeah. Um, as, as we're saying this, Darren has posted a L5R spoiler on the Aegot group. The perfect gift. And uh, it's much more. Is it? Yeah. Oh, amazing. And the flavour text is, he had refused twice, but could not bring himself to refuse a third time. Oh. So, yeah. Very exciting. Uh, as it comes to cultural taboos in Europe, um, Miri, like, you know, people don't care so much as... There's more house loyalty in Europe. We don't just play, a lot of people don't play the best deck just because it's the best deck. So if you're playing what is perceived to be the best deck, people might look down on you a bit. But, uh, other than that, I don't think it's, I don't think it's too bad. We just like moaning though, so whatever you're playing, I'll probably moan about it. Yeah. I don't like Night's Watch, I don't like Lannister. I don't like Banner Dragon. I don't like other people playing Martell. Ugh. That's my thing. Yeah. You've got seven houses to choose from. Choose from yeah. one of them. Pick one of the other six. No, pick one of the other seven. That's oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Just can't oh, pick I see you've done the maths first. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, would you give me a question then? All right. Next question. Um, Andy Salkeld says, I haven't played the game in six months. Should I return? What has changed? Well, we're the next level down on that pizza of spice, aren't we? Hmm. I think. And... Um, Everything is inevitably better. Every every six months for the next two or three years, I think, it, the game should get better and better as the next cycle or the next box comes out. And I think there are very few things that will not make that true. I don't think anything will be as dominant in such a boring way as Lannister was a year ago. Yeah, diversity is key here, isn't it? Yeah, and there is a lot more diversity. There was Everyone was moaning about stall decks and stuff. Recently, but that seems to have calmed down a bit. I don't know whether that's just me not noticing it or whether people actually stopped playing them. But Night's Watch have got a couple of flavours. They're not just all boring all the time. They're only all boring some of the time, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, there's, there's just more. More and more is better. Uh, more themes, more cards, more options. Uh, if you enjoyed the game before, and you stopped because it was getting stale or because there was so much, you know, it was dominating in one area. It, it shouldn't be a problem now. So come back, basically. If you didn't like the game before, you still won't like it now. So, yeah. Good Craven, answer. Yeah. Craven, you, uh, Joe Habes asks me, are you going to Gen Con? Or is anybody going to Gen Con? Nope. No, no I'm not either. That seems like a silly question, really. I struggle to get the meetups in London. I'm not going to fucking go across the Atlantic, the one. <laughs> we are going to the UK Games Expo, which is like the British Gen Con. Um, oh, that's a very tenuous <laughs> link, mate. <laughs> well, it's the biggest games convention in the UK. And you can go there. The the, you can go there for convention. events if you want to go there for events and walk around basically a life-sized Amazon warehouse. <laughs> Um, a life size, as in like Amazon is tiny. Um, I mean, like a, <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, oh god, good grief. Um, I mean a uh, a physical Amazon warehouse because there's nothing there. You, it's no special stuff there. It's just various stalls, uh, maybe doing a deal. Um, but obviously the the big pull is is the events, I suppose, which has got some correlation with Gen Con. I, I guess. I've heard it's fun to go, even if you don't play events. Like, I know friends that are going. And they go and like play games and look around the stalls and like you can do that at home. Well we had um <clears throat> we had quite a good time when we weren't playing when we went, didn't we? Well the first day we were drunk. Mm. We got drunk very quickly, didn't we? And then yes. we went for an awesome curry. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that was kind of like the, the beginning of the the socialising in the UK meta really. It was, uh, yeah. Outside of a couple of people who knew each other very well, from like Starlex and Older Tournament and stuff. But a lot of, you know, our kind of generation of players got to know each other. Um, yeah. Know each other um, Playgroups and metas are formed there, so I suppose it is worth going. But uh, yeah, in answer to the question, no, we're not going to Gen Con. No, it's a trek. If I was going to yeah. come to the US, I'd want to go to Worlds. Even if Gen Con is allegedly better. It's considerably cheaper to go to Worlds. I'd, pr- I'd probably rather go to Gen Con. Because you get all the um, kind of exclusive stuff, don't you? True, true. But then uh, all the FFG exclusive stuff is not that exclusive, and it's you know there's different ex- exclusive stuff at Worlds. Uh, yeah, I guess you get it sooner than others. Yeah. What? yeah. Yes. So no, no Gencon, and I probably won't unless someone's going to pay for us. Liam Hall, when are you going to buy your Bristol regional tickets? What's got me hand at you, Dave? Um. I don't know if I'm going to Bristol region. When is that? Let's have a look. Friday the 7th of July. Am I free then? Am I free on Friday the 7th of July? I've no idea. Um, If I go, then it will be uh, probably like the Friday I'll buy my tickets. You know? It'll be a very last minute thing. Early decision. 7th of July. I can't be right. Oh, no, no. 8th of July. That's fine. It's the only thing in my uh, phone calendar, which bodes well, but the phone calendar knows nothing because everything's on my work calendar. So, uh, who knows? Work calendars rule everything. Yeah, they do. It's so much easier to plan when you've got like, the big screen and you know where you've got to be for work. And you can go, yes, I am free that weekend. Lovely. Yeah. So the answer is I've no fucking idea. If I'm even... Um... Lovely Kev Richardson asks, are you going to book Kapow Wrestling for the Invitational? I would go ahead and assume Kapow Wrestling is some like little indie circuit or whatever. It is, yeah. He uh, he suggested we book them because last year we had our, our wrestling-themed entrances uh, at the Invitational where everybody got Amazing. to walk into the, into the room to a, a pre-selected song chosen by, uh, I think it was Mates Josh and I, and, uh, and had to do their entrances. Um and uh, that was good fun. Uh, do we need a ring to make that better? That's the question. I think it would make it better, but is the cost involved uh, reasonable uh, to the... To the well, I'm going to go ahead and assume that a wrestling kind of company won't come if there's not a ring. It's, it's <laughs> very important. Yes, but they would bring the ring. And, and would it be... Fun? I mean, it would be great to have the final, like, in a ring. And to be able to do the celebrations and the entrances with, like, turnbuckles and stuff. And steel chairs when people bring out barracks and all that. Um, but is it worth the cost? Who knows? I'll have to uh, check the budget. I think, Dave, you've jumped the shark, mate. This is too much. You've <laughs> gone all like Louis the Sixteenth or something. You've gone mental. You've gone all indulgent and opulent. You, yeah. you need to stop. The Invitational started out in a in a pub and then it moved to a women's institute, and now it's you know. 
Madison Square Garden. Oh. <laughs> we've still got it, mate. We've been oh. apart for weeks, but we're still on the same page. This is wonderful. What a date. <laughs> Lovely. Brilliant. Okay, then. One for you, Craven. Mm. James Marston says, why won't Craven accept my friend request? I don't think I've ever met you, mate. That's that's why. I mean, um, oh, it feels a bit awkward now, but I don't. I've never met you, so I don't. I don't tend to do that. Sorry. Right. Please don't take it personally. I'm sure if we meet and all that one day and we chat, I'll be like, oh, that's who this guy is. But if I just get friend requests from, from strangers, I I, don't, I just don't accept them. I'm sorry. Well, there we go. Poor Mr. Yeah. Uh, but he's also considering doing an Altark Greyjoy card featuring House Botling. And do we want one? Well, the answer would. is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Will you accept his friend request if he sends you a Greyjoy House Botling card? I feel awful now. He's asked. I, I, <laughs> I don't mean not upset anybody, do you know what I mean? But occasionally you get friend requests, like, I don't know this person. So you just sort of leave it in stasis and you forget about it. But um, mm. yeah, but I feel if I accept it now, it's like, oh, you know. When you've had an argument with someone and they go back and you think, well, you're only doing that because I've said it. So, oh, I'm just <laughs> going to awkwardly move on, I think. So, uh, Louis Bretas asks us, what should people expect for the UK Games Expo concerning? And I mean, some of this has already been covered. We have spoken about the Expo and we've spoken about what it's like or elements of being in Europe in the UK and playing Thrones. <laughs> Not much of the actual Thrones. So what would you expect concerning the Thrones community, the environment, 80s music, socialising and drinking, Game of Thrones the card game, and bad Dothraki cards. God, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> so what, um, would we, what would we expect concerning the Thrones community? Well, it's generally always been pretty pleasant, hasn't it? Yeah, and the Brits are the nicest of them all. Absolutely. Um, obviously, just get your round in. Yes, that's, that's very important. And that's a very good point for the American question as well. Get your round in. No one wants a freeloader. So um, if you're going out on the piss or whatever, make sure you put your hand in your pocket. Um, but no, the French community has always been very welcoming. Obviously, me and Dave and people, none of us, or well, you guys know each other, but most of the people I've met I didn't know before all this, so um, I've got on with very well as a result. Um, 80s music's probably going to be up to you though, mate, because I don't think the Expo is going to have a sound system you can commandeer. So if you really want your 80s, take your old wireless speakers and, and get stuck in. That's because um, uh, after the Starlight Melee final this year, we had an 80s disco in the in the hall. Oh, well, you won't get that. <laughs> it's That's unlikely. very German. It was very... Um, it wasn't... It was uh, Lewis and um, uh, Istvan. Well, at least Istvan's oh. entertainment in the evening has improved from last time I was in Starlight. And, and what did he do? Because uh, last time I was in Starlight, uh, Istvan was encouraging people... Um, willingly, he wasn't forcing them to do this, but he did it himself, to cover their faces in duct tape. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it looks so painful. <laughs> not just their faces, their entire heads. Yeah. I mean, not getting it on is fine. Anyone can put tape on their face. Getting it off, mental. So, I mean, an 80s disco is a massive improvement. <laughs> um, apparently it went on very late and very loudly. Of course. Uh, <laughs> kept many people up. Um, I remember, actually, from the expo, that in the evenings, one of the best fits, actually, I think, overall, was um, we had, like, the 
the tournament room to ourselves. And everyone just busted out board games. There's loads of pizzas going on. Um, an epic game of Battlestar Galactica. Um, I vaguely to, remember Wamma being shot in the face. Yeah, by Kev. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just strolled up to him, shot him out of the blue. She's like, he's a Cylon. Yeah. And I remember I was a Cylon. And Josh, I'm sure it was Josh, might have been Mage actually, definitely the game of a J. Anyway, it, sorry guys, either one of those guys <laughs> They're all a had the ability to look at one of my cars and I thought, oh fuck me, this is it. I'm out, I'm, I'm exposed. And they just called us Keycomb and went, no, Craven's definitely not a sign on. And in that moment, I knew they was a sign on too. <laughs> And I thought, yes, this is it. Here we go, boys. Yeah. But I got sniffed out in about two seconds by Whammo and his weird kind of Rain Man mathematical brain <laughs> sussed out. It was me. Um, but could do nothing about it because Kev shot him. <laughs> Good times. I just remember hearing the drama from like, the other side of the room. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Kev shot me. Yeah. Straight in the head, out of the blue. No, no discussion. <laughs> No, like, I think is a Cylon, just like, your turn. Yeah, I'm going to move to the bridge and shoot Whammer in the head. We're like, whoa! Spectacular. Turns out he was a Cylon trying to throw me under the bus. It's even, no honour, even amongst cyborgs. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. So, Mm. um, so yeah, that was good, having our our own room and, um, yeah, playing board games, drinking, eating pizza. Uh, But if you're in Birmingham for the expo, go and have a curry. Birmingham yeah. has got one of the best uh, like reputations of curry in the country. Like quite a large uh, Asian expat community, yeah. and uh, yeah, the curry is always fantastic. So I can imagine we will organise a jaunt down on one of the nights. Yeah. So the one we've been to the last few years, if you remember, Craig. I do remember. It's very nice. Yeah, we've been there a few times now, and uh, mm. they're good. And they do masala chips, which are oh awesome. yes. They were so good. They were very good. Yeah. Remember them. So, uh, Lewis, you find me. We'll go and get curry. Uh, and have a lovely time. And then we will talk about all the spice. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, shall we um, explore Steve's question? Mm. This yeah, is a good the one. The most thronesy of all our questions so far. Yeah, Quite a good one. Steve, Steve, bring it back to the point. Um so he asks, how would we update uh, the various champ cards from first edition to make the second edition compatible? I like this question a lot. I think this is great. But I am now playing for time. Another example of classic radio, because I've come away from the page that lists all the que- um, champ cards. I did as well. So, what was I thinking? Good grief. I, I had it open, and then before I called you, I closed it. and was like, I'm going to need that. I got it back open, and then I closed it. So, we've already established there is a lot of these cards, so we're probably not going to go through all of them. We might do, <coughs> but I'm just going to pick out some ones that jump out to us. Perhaps some that um, you second edition chaps and chapesses may have heard of um, beforehand. So let's just have a... Um, we've already got the Blackfish. He's back, isn't he? So we can He's rule him back. out. Uh, Corin Halfhand is back. Corrin angers me because they changed the art, and I'm never going to forgive them for that. That art needs to be changed. It was awful. Yeah, but it had Jonathan Benton's face on it, <clears throat> and now it well, doesn't. 
He's supposed to deserve better. Right. Could you imagine having your face on a card and then reprinting it? Just being like, uh, we made your card good, so people are going to play it. Oh, great. But now it's not with your face on it. Oh, because <laughs> yeah. your face that, was ugly. That would be annoying, actually. That's sad. So I'm just going to pick one sort of at random. Um, it's not at random. What I want to talk about. Uh, it's Fionn Greyjoy by Stefan Montaneri, the European Joust champion uh, from 2012, previously featured in Game of Thrones first edition for Spoils of War and um, had the uh, prized keyword. So anyone who doesn't know what he did, I believe, from my memory serves, he cost two gold. He had two strength, a military and a power icon. He had a prized of two. And he had a passive effect which said after a player counts income, uh, they must choose and kill a character they control. Wasn't he good? He was fantastic. I mean, I loved him. Mm. He he did me... Well, he lost me a game against Glazer in Blackwater a few years ago because, you know, prize backfired a little bit. But he was fucking superb. Really, really good. Um, I can't see a way that he could come back without the prize mechanic coming back with it because he'd just be too over, um, overpowered. I mean, firstly, he can't be too gold. <laughs> no, he'd have to be like six. Oh, yeah, six, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and he'd just have to have, well, terrible stats, basically. I think it's just too powerful. Simply too powerful. Well, I mean, he'll come back eventually. You can't have... He doesn't need the prize keyword. He could have that effect. Just a, a forced interrupt after he leaves play, each opponent claims two power, or whatever it is. So... Yeah, or you um, could sort of make it after a player counts more than certain gold. Yeah, that's true. Just to cut down on the... Uh... Yeah, because it is quite brutal on like a Valor turn and stuff. Yeah. When it's really so, difficult to play out of the, the low gold at the moment. Anyway, and that synergize quite well with Greyjoy if you wanted to run Winter, because your plots are going to be quite low anyway. Mm. So you could say, oh, I'm not counting more than like four gold of my plot, blah, 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 blah. Okay, and if you sort of hitting one counting more than six, it would work quite nicely or whatever. I really like that. That's good. Yeah. Nice yeah. change. Okay. Fixed so, it. After a certain amount of gold is counted. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay, okay. go on. You, you do one. Okay. Uh, Ghost of High Heart uh, by Matt Lay. It was originally in the House of Talons CCG expansion and was rep- reprinted in first edition. Um, and the, the important part of the text was uh, challenges Neil, the ghost of High Heart, to look at a player's hand, discard a card from that hand. Uh, they, well, choose to discard a card, they draw a card. So you could use it on yourself to filter your cards, or you could use it on an opponent to discard the, uh, the good ones. Um, I really enjoyed it in Doran Solar because it allowed me to draw cap on demand. But um, I think it's a really interesting effect anyway. I like... Uh, I like selected discard. That's fun. Um, I like that it's got the drawback in that they redraw. Um, it boosted Brotherhood characters, which is quite fun. Uh, but the the reason I wanted to talk about it was because the original CCG version did a similar thing, but um, it also uh, could not be a, discarded by your opponent's card effects. Uh, the reason being was that Matt specifically wanted to be able to counter the original version of First Snow of Winter, which discarded low strength characters. Or low cost oh. characters. So he really, he just wanted to stick it to Bruno and say, no, my card yeah. is immune to your bullshit. Um, but it didn't do that in, uh, in the LCG. It didn't have the, uh, you know, cannot be returned to hand restriction. So if it was up to me, it would be less than four gold, but it would 
not be able to be returned to hand by like opponent's plot effects or opponent's card effects or something. Oh, that's some I'd, interesting I'd like background to, knowledge. There you go. So there's some history for you. I'd like to bring back yeah. the uh, the rivalry between uh, the, the two of them. Um, <coughs> and Ghost of High Hat is a particularly uh, nice place in my heart because I met Rings at uh, Worlds and got him to sign a copy of it. Um, and now I have it. And Ghost of or Rings in the picture is saying "bangers and mash." <laughs> nice little speech bubble, which is fun. Uh, and that became a bit of a running joke for the rest of Worlds between me and the Swedes. So that's fun. Oh, okay. well, excellent, Dave. That's like a director's cut on a DVD, that. <laughs> this is what it used to be like back in the day. Not that I yeah. remember CCG cards. I just clearly had too much time on my hands when I uh, when I was playing first edition. Sure, you know man. I would things. I would quite like CCG to come back. <laughs> I would. Way. I don't know. I'd like to just, just. I'd like to experience a FFG run kind of CCG, which isn't Star Wars Destiny. I was going to say, you can drop your foot in it here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Preempted it. Not with silly dice. Um, okay, then, how about this one then? Uh, the Laughing Storm. Oh, I love him. Some, his- some history there. <sighs> I love the Laughing Storm. So, correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't he the first card to be going on a restricted list before he was even released? I think that is true. <laughs> so he if definitely went know, on, and I'm pretty sure he was the first one. And he got banned, didn't he, at one point? Uh, I think it it may have just been a functional ban because of that. So, I don't know. anyone who doesn't know, the, uh, the Laughing Storm was a, uh, a unique uh, House Baratheon uh, knight. Uh, he wasn't a lord as well, was he? Just a knight, uh, I think. Uh, <coughs> I think he is a lord. He was the he was the Lord of Storm's End, the Duncan Eggbox. Oh, yeah. No, just the so, knight, though. Okay, so he's one of those characters who... Um, kind of broke with tradition at that point by being, he wasn't actually in the series. He's a, he's a historical character. Um, but I mean, that's not the issue here. He was uh, a free cost, a uh, free strength, military power, and he had a war crest. Oh, a crest. Um, he was deadly. We won't go into that. No, forget about <laughs> deadly. The reason he was such a pain and caused so much upset was while he is standing, uh, the person who owned him, controlled him, uh, couldn't have cards discarded from their hand. Um, immensely powerful effect. <laughs> For Especially one in a thing, house which wasn't it, that intrigue heavy. Yeah, intrigue was a weak icon except outside of the uh, the Asai soon to become Rillor trait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was um, functionally excellent right up until the end, obviously having come back from his time of being restricted slash banned. But um, you, know, you know why he was restricted, of course. Because they, they uh, a nasty little combo made it through playtesting, and uh, and eventually they decided it wasn't too bad as to be restricted, and that only one of the elements stayed restricted. That being Val. Of course. Yeah, because the reason he, I mean, he's a powerful card in himself, but uh, there was another card which was Val, the Wildling, and she had the ability any phase reveal the top card of your deck. If you can play it as your next, or you must play it as your next action. If you cannot discard it, uh, which of course, if the Laughing Storm was standing, became play it as your next action <coughs> or add it to your hand. Yeah. Functionally, so you would pre-plot every single turn, trigger Val three times, and as long as you didn't draw in any phase event, you drew three cards every turn, which was the maximum outside of the draw phase essentially. Um, which was just phenomenal. Uh, and that's why it hit the list before it even came out. 
but he had the list together, I think. Um, and eventually, Sorry. it was decreed that Barrow needed a bit of help, or um, or it wasn't that bad a combo, and he came off. And he was uh, instrumental in um, Donovan Van Beek's uh, Starlight winning deck from a few years ago. Him and uh, him and Val. Yep. Yes, indeed. So, how would we make this monster compatible? I think the easy way to do it. First, he needs to lose Deadly. So, I think you give him Renown. And uh, because, like Deadly, it encourages you to put him into challenges and kneel him. Mm. And then I think you reword it so while the Laughing Storm is standing, cards cannot be discarded discarded from your hand uh, either during the challenge phase or word it so that when it is not the taxation phase and the Laughing Storm is standing, he gains. Cards cannot be discarded from your hand. So, because there is no way you can have infinite reserve. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> because you would always be standing in the taxation phase. Yeah, Unless you yeah, had Stannis out. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. Either of them, and then something to give him a, a, a decent keyword which encourages you to kneel him. Uh, probably renowned, but because, you know, the art, he's very clearly in a melee, and he was a tournament knight. You meet him in the Duncan Egg books, and he takes Dunk's side in a big, um, like, trial by combat. Like, you know, you've got to get him into challenges. It's not really an insight kind of guy, and he's definitely not a stealth kind of guy. I think, short of deadly, renown's the way to go. Or intimidate, perhaps. Um, encourage him to get him into your, into your challenges, uh, and then dial back to the discard so that it doesn't affect reserve. And then, I think he's very strong, but a, a very good card. Quite clunky to get in, though. How do you mean? Well, well, there's a lot of changes to make him work close to how he used to. Yeah. I mean, it will be, you, you can just, yeah, just during the during the challenge phase, if the laughing storm is standing, cards can be just got from your hand. That's all right. It's not that much more text. Not too bad. It's functionally okay. the same because there was no reserve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he existed in a more simple time. Okay. All right. What would you do to mirror that bitch? Oh, I would seal her in concrete and dump her in the North Sea. <laughs> so, um, well, this is a complicated one, isn't it? Because we've got shadows to contend with. Yeah. Well, assuming shadows isn't coming back, which I think is unlikely, considering they brought back some old shadows cards as ambush cards. But what mirror used to be is, as an action, you could pay a gold to flip a face up at shadows. Uh, and then blank a card, uh, two cards if it's winter, um, and then after a start, a character you control leaves play, you can pop her face down again, and she'll be safe from resets. Um, right, you have to bump the price up. Yep. A lot. Yep. Um, remove a shadows thing, mm. and just have it when she enters play, and then when the start character leaves play, she goes back to your hand. Yeah, give her like amb- maybe it'll make her like three costs and ambush six or something. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, oh, at three cost might no, not three cost, um, because uh, Ariane. <laughs> yes. I don't want people putting her into play with Ariane. And normally, I encourage everything to be put into play with Ariane, but not Mirror because she can fuck off. Yeah, so that's how you do that. <laughs> Whoever, why we'd want to is a different story altogether. Mm. That should never happen. We don't want that to happen. Oh, um, dark girl. wings, dark words. I think I can come back as it is. After you play an event, draw a card, and then uh, 
what else is it? Uh, your deck must be seventy-five cards. That's right. Seventy-five cards is your is your minimum deck size. Um, whenever you play an event, you may draw a card. Yeah, and you can only have one of each event. That's it. You yes. can't play them from your discard pile. Not that that affects anything in second edition. No, um, I think that was a fantastic agenda. I really, really liked it. I didn't use it as much as I'd liked, um, but it was brilliant. Really, really good. Cards like that excite me and make me happy mm. um, because it changes everything about your collection. You look at everything in a different way. Um, in the same way, I'm, we're getting off topic here, but you know what I'm going to say. Um, I would love to see naval icons and black sails come back. <laughs> yeah. You I fucking both. loved that. You and me both. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, it does. It, every single event in your deck, so in your in your binders, suddenly becomes much, much, much more viable. Some of them become less, slightly less viable because you can't deal with the, you, like, you can't build around them, you can't have the consistency like Doran's game. But every, you know, niche utility event becomes so much more useful. And it's just brilliant. And like the card, uh, the card advantage kind of events like, um, uh, Bear and the Maiden Fair and much and more are just amazing. You're also drawing off them as well. Yeah, double country. It's just great. Um, yeah, I think it could basically come out, come back as is. But with the exception that it would have to be uh, be late enough that there are lots of events to play. So, you know, in like the eighth box or in like the eighth cycle or something, when the game is quite mature. Yeah. Not really ready for it yet, one. but it would. <clears throat> All right, okay, then. let's do one more each. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Some of the really old ones, you know, you can you can picture the art, but you can't really remember what they do. Mm. They're not that interesting. Do you have one to hand that you want to talk about? I do. Yeah, I feel like we should talk about him since he featured very heavily in a hit single we made. Um, is the Mad King? Ah, of course. So the Mad King, he cost what five, didn't he? Four. Four. Okay. Yep. So we're talking second edition equivalent six. You'd say so. He was yep. four. He was unique. He had the noble crest. He had a intrigue and a power icon. He was strength three, four, maybe four. He was, he was a big old boy. He was king and he was a lord. Um, and he was basically, I'm completely recording this. I'm not looking at it. He was unkillable unless your opponent controlled a noble character, and this is my favourite bit, or Jamie Lannister. Brilliant. Um, during the dominance phase, you can kneel the Mad King to choose and kill a noble character. That's that right? correct. Yep. Yeah. So a few things to change there. We need to get rid of the crest. Yeah. Would it just be Lord um, and Lady? Yeah, change it to Lord and Lady. That's easily done. Does that make him we... much more powerful? <clears throat> and simultaneously much more, much weaker? Because there are a lot more Lords and Ladies than there were noble crests. I think that balances him out perfectly. It's a completely fair trade. More targets for him, but equally more targets that can hurt him. Um, he was prized one as well, wasn't he? He was certainly prized. Um, so you make him six gold, lord and ladies instead of nobles. Done. <laughs> okay, that, that's quite a simple one. Does he need to retain some sort of prized drawback? No, did he, he didn't have renown, did he? He did. He did take renown off him then. Okay, I mean, like obviously you can only renown for his or his ability. You can't use them both. Yeah. I mean, unless you can stand them. Yeah, unless you put loads of attachments on him. 
There goes Bo. <laughs> example, that would well, work, wouldn't it? Well, once you made him a Dothraki, yeah, with Rhaegar's heart. heart yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff. Okay. Go on, Ian. Uh What else have we got? See, he was he was going to be my uh, my shout if he didn't say. So that's annoying. So I'm going to choose one that's. Should I choose one that's really weak and didn't say play, or one that was really powerful and saw a lot of play? If the one that's really powerful and saw a lot of plays, House of Dreams, and say that. No, it's not House of Dreams. House of Dreams can come back broadly as it is. It just needs to be yeah, exactly. around with the the, cut, the cards and costs, perhaps. Yeah, um, make it full cost. Yeah, uh, but the Northern Patriarch was very powerful, and oh, I hated fuck Northern, it. Fuck Northern Patriarch. Yeah, I think I uh, we've said nasty things about Derek's grandfather because it angers me to look at him. Um, but there was one that didn't see very much play, which was uh, a pinch of powder. A pinch of powder. Yeah, do you Whoa. remember what that does? Um, shadows again. Yeah. <laughs> Two cost shadows. Oh, I think it attached to a character, didn't it? It did something. After it comes out of shadows, it does do something. It attaches to a character. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was comes out of shadows, goes back in. <laughs> well, one of the barricades did that, didn't it? Just the Sister of Truth. <laughs> yeah. After it comes out of shadows, put a card you control back into shadows. Yeah. <laughs> Limited response, so essentially uh, kneel your house card after you win a intrigue or a power challenge by three or more strength. Return the attached characters to its owner's hand. Then you may kneel three influence to return a pinch of powder to shadows. Uh, and the reason it saw absolutely no play is because uh, three influence is incredibly... It's a big influence cost for this effect, basically. Um, this wasn't strong enough to see play in the decks that wanted influence because they had so many big influence effects uh, and it wasn't good enough to put in with extra influence to just kind of pay for this so it was kind of a weird space there I don't think I ever saw it played um, so have you got any ideas on how you would uh... oh god there's too many things there man there's influence to worry about shadows so, um... so instead of shadows just I mean, it's quite brutal as an ambush card. So I don't think you should get an ambush. No. Uh, because, because you know, it was at the beginning of the phase. So just assume, if it was a, a normal attachment, two-cost attachment, it would probably be okay. Yeah. So um, you could, you know, up, up the intrigue or the power restriction to five or more to be in keeping with all those new effects. Um, yeah, so five or more. So after you win pop- one of those by five or more, return attached character to its owner's hand. The problem is, obviously, this would always return to hand by default in second edition. So presumably you'll have to give it the terminal keyword. Yes. And then say, you may pay X amount of gold to return it to your hand. Yeah, that, God, that actually does seem quite powerful in the second edition context, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. If you return it like a three cost, maybe the occasional four cost to hand, eh, you know, you're never going to return the red viper to hand. Because it would just be thinking. Mm. Yeah, man, that's um, that is quite powerful. That's a good one. It's a good call. Yeah. Powerful, Great. but yeah, literally never saw play. Um, so there's quite a lot of cards we haven't done. I mean, this is a whole episode's worth here. So um, if you listen to this and we've missed out anything or you disagree with what we said, um, just drop it in the comments and we'll talk about it when we get a chance. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll cover some more next time we have uh, have some time. Yeah. And I'll bug Vince to have a card design again. 
Yeah, it is. It's a shame. There's some people have been waiting. To, I think there's one here since 2010. Ah, uh, yeah, but he uh, he doesn't want it. Oh yes, I remember now. Yeah, he doesn't want to do it, does he? No sympathy for him. Mm. But 2013, uh, 2012, we got a couple as well. Come on, FFG, sort it out. Five years ago. Pretty poor. Get on with it. Pretty poor. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, um, shall we shall we leave it there? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, so cheers for listening and goodbye. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.